If this is your first time at the Bridge Church, we especially welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us today. There are a lot of great churches in the valley. We're honored that you're here with us today and you've chosen to worship with us. So today, if you have any questions at all about anything, out that first set of doors to your right, there's an info center. They can answer any questions you might have. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We also have an app you can download to stay in touch with all that's going on here. We want to get connected with you, get connected with God, and do life and ministry together. So thanks so much for joining us. Can you put your hands together and welcome our first-time guest with us today? God bless you. If you're joining us online for the first time, welcome. We hope God speaks to your heart today as well. We're going to begin a new series, and I'm going to be reading in just a few minutes from Romans chapter 8. And as you've already seen, this series is simply titled, This Is Us. This Is Us. Now, a lot of you know there's been a television program called This Is Us. Uh, how many have watched the program, This Is Us? Okay, some of you have. I've never watched it. I'm not much of a TV watcher, but I know about the TV program. But we're not doing this because of the TV program. We're doing this for a very specific reason. God spoke to my heart several weeks ago that starting this year, we needed to take some time to teach us as a, as a group of people who call the bridge home, we needed to really teach who we are and what we are from Scripture. Not the ideas, not the vision that God's given us only as a church, but from Scripture to share who we are and what we are and what, what we're about and what we're supposed to be doing in our world. So today we begin this series called This Is Us. So when we accept Christ as our Savior and the Lord of our lives, a new life begins. We begin a journey with God and we begin to learn how to live this new life with God. And I don't care how long you've been walking with God, you're always learning more about God in this life with God. And the New Testament specifically gives us three descriptive terms or three expressions that help us understand more about God's plan for our lives with him. We're going to be talking about those three terms. Those three terms are these. Number one, the family of God. This is us. Look around today. Take a moment. It's okay. We're not that stiff. You know, we're the bobblehead church. We don't yell and scream a lot, but we nod our heads. We're in agreement, okay? So, so look around for a moment. This is us. This is the family of God right here. Second expression is the church, the church of Jesus Christ. This is us. And then third expression is the body of Christ. This is us, you and me. This is us. And I have learned through the years it becomes essentially important for every follower of Christ to come to the realization that this is us. This is who we are. This is who I am. I am a part of this. This is us and this is me. So we're going to use three messages to explore these three expressions. And today I'm going to begin with the first one. I'm going to talk a little bit about the family of God. Last Sunday morning, Pastor Zach laid a foundation for what I'm going to be talking about today. Did an outstanding job talking about the family of God and the love of God. But I want to dive in a little bit deeper in a little different direction. So I want to begin to read from Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to share three main thoughts with you today. And I hope these three thoughts really sink into your hearts. Romans chapter 8, let's begin at verse 14. 
Paul is addressing this new life in God. And here's what he says in context. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, let's pause here just one minute. I'm going to make a couple of comments with each of these verses, and then I'll get into the teaching. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What he's saying is, as children of God, sons and daughters of God, there's a unique thing that happens when we come to Christ. Jesus talked about the new birth. You must be born again. When that happens, we experience this thing called regeneration. We become alive. Our spirits come alive to God. And suddenly we enter into this new life. Jesus said you must be born again. So in this regeneration, this born-again experience, this new life, one of the things that happens is the Spirit of God moves inside of us, makes us alive to God, and He lives in us. So suddenly we can be led by the Spirit of God. Paul says the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Verse 15, then he says this, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, to continually live in fear, to go back into fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Paul is saying here, when we accept Christ, we come into the family of God because God adopts us as his children and we can begin to draw close to him and call him our dear father. We don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Verse 16, the spirit himself, the spirit of God himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What he's saying here is when we accept Christ and we come into God's family and the spirit of God moves inside of us, we know he's there because he begins to knock on our heart. He begins to make our spirit alive. and We begin to understand, well, there's something different about me now. What is it? God's living in me. And he testifies to us. He reminds us from time to time, you're God's child. You're God's child. You're God's child. Now let's go a little further. Verse 17. And if we're the children of God, then we're heirs of God. See, a lot of Christian believers have never been taught this. We are children of God. We're in the family of God, which makes us heirs of God. What that means is what God has belongs to us. Not only are we heirs of God, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. When you read about the suffering of Christ in the New Testament in his lifetime, it was almost always, except for when he went to the cross, it was almost always about persecution because the world did not understand him. Zach talked about this last week. But I want to dive into this today, and I want to share three thoughts to you, and I really hope this comes alive to you. Number one, the first thing is God himself has adopted us into his family. God himself has adopted you, has adopted me into his family. And it's a family of love. I love what Zach shared last Sunday morning. It's a great message. I did watch the message, did an outstanding job talking about this new manner of love that we're beginning to learn from the Father. It's really God who defined love when he put his own son on the cross. Romans tells us that God, he proved, he demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us so much, he paid the price to bring us into 
his family. And you know, I, I want to spend just a moment here. It, it takes a lot of love to produce an adoption. Think about that. It takes a lot of love to, to produce an adoption. Some of you in the house today, you may have been adopted by a family, and maybe you weren't raised by your real family, your real parents. And maybe, you know, I've, I've met people through the years who say, well, I'm struggling to figure out who I am because my own parents didn't want me or didn't take me and I was raised by other people. Can I stop you for just a moment? And can I tell you, if somebody took you into their home and their family and they raised you and clothed you and fed you and took care of you, you need to recognize they must have loved you a lot and thought a lot of you to do that for you. Now, I know you might have been adopted into a bad family. That does happen sometimes. Hey, you may have been born into a bad family. That happens too. But the point is, when you're adopted, somebody chooses you. And what Scripture teaches us, when we come to Christ and accept Him as our Savior, make Him the Lord of our lives, the Spirit of God moves inside of us. He brings us into God's family, and God adopts us and says, from now on, you are my child. See, a lot of us see God way out there, a million miles away. When in reality, he's real close wanting to be a father to you. And you need to learn to accept the love of a father. Several years ago, I was playing golf with a friend of mine. I won't mention his name because I, I tried to reach out to him and he didn't respond to me. I want to get permission to use his name, but I won't. A, a friend of mine, he was raised in Korea. He came back to the States and he's lived here ever since, been in ministry here. His father was a missionary from the United States to Korea. So... What happened was when, when he and his wife got married, they had a daughter. And then they decided, we want more children, but we want to be a blessing to children whose parents don't want them. So they adopted a son out of Korea where he'd been raised. And then a couple years later, they adopted a daughter out of China. And they raised all three of those children, put them through school, took great care of them. And they're all functioning adults today doing really well. It's amazing. But we're out on a golf course one day playing golf, and we got put with these two other guys, and one of the guys we're playing golf with uh, was Asian. And so as we're playing along, my friend looks at him and says, you're from Korea, aren't you? You're Korean. And he says, yes, I am. Real strong, perfect English. Yes, I am. And so he says, well, are your parents Korean? Were you raised in Korea? Were you born there? Did you move here? What, what, what's, what's your story? This guy looks at my friend and says, no, I was born and my parents didn't want me. So I was adopted out of Korea by an American family who raised me, put me through college, and I now have a great life because of those wonderful people. And my friend looked at him and said, well, I knew you were from Korea because I, I, I grew up in Korea. They begin to share stories a little bit. And then he turned to this man and he said, as a matter of fact, I also adopted a son out of Korea who didn't have a family. And I watched as this young man walked over to my friend, stuck out his hand, grabbed his hand and shook it real firmly and said, I want to thank you for rescuing another one of us out of that situation. And my heart was so touched. My friend, you know, he's not very emotional. Uh, it didn't affect him at all, but I'm on the golf course wiping away tears. Thinking, What's wrong with these people? Don't they get this? Because that's what God did with us. 
He's adopted us into his family. Even though we were far from him and didn't deserve to be there. Even though sin had made us not even know and recognize God for our lifetime. Still, God adopted us into his family. And you know, we struggle with feelings of unworthiness. But God has made us righteous. He has justified us, which means he's wiped the record clean and makes it just like we never sinned. He sanctified us. He set us apart in his family. He's done all of this through Christ. So in other words, God himself has placed us in his family as his children by his grace and through our response of faith to him. And you know, the new birth, this being born of the spirit, this regeneration, it brings the presence and the leading of God's Holy Spirit into our lives. Jesus said, I won't leave you alone. I'll put my spirit in you to help walk you through the difficult moments of life. And this establishes our identity as sons and daughters of God. God's family. God's sons. God's daughters. This is us. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't have any stepkids. He's got kids. He's got sons and daughters. That's us. And no, our identity, our identity is no longer that of slaves living in bondage to sin. But rather, we're now the children of God. We're the adopted, chosen sons and daughters of God. And our relationship with God removes from being afraid of God because of sin. And now we reverence God. We honor Him. But we no longer run in fear from Him because the fear of condemnation for our sin has been removed by Jesus on the cross. So we don't have to be afraid of God. We are now near as the sons of God. Righteousness, justification, sanctification, it brings us to a place of peace where we can relax and be the sons and the daughters of God. And how beautiful it is that the Spirit of God lives in us and not only once but over and over again confirms to us we are the children of God. We do know God. This is us. Before I go to the next point, i got to throw in one more thing here. People who don't know God don't have this spirit within. They don't have the same relationship with God that we have. They don't have the same experiences. They don't have that confirmation of the spirit. And you know, every now and then out in society, whether it be in the news, on television, media, radio, whatever it might be, every now and then you'll hear somebody say in the big picture of the globe, well, we're all God's children. Well, that might be true in the sense of creation. We're created by God. But not all of mankind is in the family of God. So therefore, people outside of God's family can't understand the love that God pours into our lives. But we need to try to learn to share that love with those around us. Number two, the second thing I want to share. Our, our new identity in the family of God gives us a new eternal name. Now, I'm, I'm going to spend a few minutes with this. I'm going to move as fast as I can, but I really want to drive this home today. Our relationship with God allows us and encourages us to approach God as a loving heavenly father. Now, remember when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. 
So Jesus said, okay. What they were saying was, Jesus, you spend so much time talking to God. How many of you struggle talking to God? That's what the disciples are doing. Oh, we have all these learned prayers and we have all these things that we do in, out of memory and out of rote to try to talk to God. But Jesus, you spend so much time talking to God. How do you do that? And Jesus said, here's how it starts. Our Father in heaven. Jesus, right off the bat, tried to teach them a principle. We need to accept the fact that he is our loving heavenly father. He'll be better to us than any earthly father could ever be in a thousand lifetimes. And we need to draw close to him and embrace that relationship with the father. But not only that, our new identity in the family of God comes from our heavenly father. You'll find in Ephesians 3. That Paul is talking about this relationship with God, this new thing that God was doing in that day. And he says this, for this reason, for this relationship, I bow my knees to the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, the family of God claims the name of God. Now you say, man, okay, okay, that's another theological point. No, it's not theological. It is, but it isn't. So I'm going to show you why here in the next couple of minutes. In Scripture, there are a lot of occasions where you see someone's name, a man's name, and it was, is a hyphenated name or a, a joint name, and it says bar-something, bar-something. For example, when Jesus was talking to Peter in Matthew 16, he said, blessed are you, Simon, which Peter's real name was Simon, his earthly name, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar meant son of. So what he says is, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. People were identified, men were identified through family names and relationships. Another illustration of this. Uh, Jesus is going through Jericho and all of a sudden there's this guy mentioned he's a blind man and they called him blind Bartimaeus now if you look at that blind Bartimaeus his name means the second name Bart Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus son of Timothy if you will but yet he's just known his first name is just blind <laughs> think about that Oh, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, the, the son of Timothy. Yeah, he's a blind guy down there. Oh, yeah, everybody knows the son of Timothy. How was he known? He was known because he's blind until Jesus changed all that. Now, here's why I want to show you this. So Jesus says to Peter, Peter, God has just given you an amazing revelation. So Simon, son of Jonah, I'm going to give you a new name that comes from God. How many are with me so far? How many aren't with me? How many are still wanting another cup of coffee? One. I have one honest soul in the house. Here's why I want you to see this. When I accept Christ as my Savior and I come into the family of God, He puts His name on my life. And see, we, we go through this life, and there are a lot of people that carry hyphenated names. It's quite common and trendy today to see... When a woman marries, she takes her husband's last name. That's been the way of Western culture for a long time. And now it's more common for a woman to use her first name, 
her maiden name, hyphen, and then her husband's last name. And I'm, I'm not throwing an opinion in on that. I don't care about that. But I'm just I'm illustrating this to you. People want to be known by their family names. My name's Gary Martin. I'm attached to the Martin clan, the Martin family. In Bible days, I would have been known as Gary Barr Howard because my, name, my dad's name was Howard. Gary Barr Howard. That was my identity. I'm a part of this family. But the point of this is when we come to God, all of a sudden God wants us to understand you were born into an earthly temporary family that comes and goes. But you are now born into an eternal family and I'm going to put my name on you. So that everywhere you go, you can think, you can live, and you can tell people, I belong to God. I'm in that family now. I'm in the eternal family. And here's the deal. There are a lot of Christians who are living their lives saying, well, someday I'm going to go to heaven and I'll be a part of the eternal family of God. That's only half right, which means it's half wrong. You're not going to be in the family of God someday. If Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, you're already in the family and you need to start claiming his name and living like it now. It's available to you. We are the children of God. So I got to digging on this. And, and last night I ran across a couple of things. They came to mind. Revelation chapter 3 verse 12 says, he who overcomes, this is Jesus speaking, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. What that means is, when I come to Christ, he writes the Father's name on me, and then he says, this is your eternity ticket right here. I'm writing the name of the city of God on you as well. That's your destination. We also find in Romans 2, Jesus said to him who overcomes, I will give him a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. What that's saying is God draws us close as sons and he identifies with, he knows us by name. He gives us our own personal name so that we can respond to him as his own personal child. We don't get lost in the lot and say, well, the God's got so many kids, he doesn't know me. Yes, he does. He's given you a name and he knows your name and he wants you to know his name and carry his name. So let me, let me drive this home. Everybody has a surname. I didn't know what a surname was until I, until I started traveling the globe with a passport. And you go into other countries, and when you fill out the, the certificates or the, or the papers to get into that country for your visa and so forth, they ask, what is your surname? First time I ran across that, I thought, I don't know what my surname is. What's, what's the surname? Didn't know if that meant nickname. So I just wrote cute and sexy in there and went on, you know. <coughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. So what is, what is your what is your family name? I finally figured out. What is your family name? It's Martin. Now, I know I offended some people in that. Please, I know we're in church. God forgive me, okay? Some of you watching online just turned me off. I know. Where was I? Oh, but, but, but here's what I want you to see. Greg, you're my friend. But you're my brother. And, and you know what? They can call you Morrison. They can call me Martin. But our last name is really Jehovah. Call me Gary Bar Jehovah. Call him Greg Bar Jehovah. 
I wish I had time to go around the room and call a whole lot of names. I want you to get this picture today. God has put his name on you so that you can begin to live like his child now and not wait for someday to get here. This is good. This is so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the 8-track of this. It is so good. I'm going to hang on to this. And if you have his name, we're siblings. We're siblings. Amber is one on our pastoral team. Amber, Amber's great. I call her Amber Gandhi because she went to India with Anne a few years ago. So I stretch her name to Amber Gandhi so it distinguishes her from everything else. But you know what? She is Amber, daughter of God, daughter of Jehovah. And she's my sister. She works for us. She's under my authority in the church. But you know what? She's my sister in the family of God. You've heard the expression, we're brothers from another mother. We are brothers and sisters from another mother. That's what we are. Look at me. We may have different mothers, but we have one heavenly father. Now, let me, let me illustrate it one more time. Jesus one day, I'm getting ahead of my notes, but I, I want to throw this in here. Jesus one day has... His family come looking for him. And he's in this house. The house is full. He's teaching. One of the disciples comes in and says, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside. They need to talk to you. Scripture doesn't tell us what they wanted, but they came to get Jesus' attention to interrupt him. Jesus asks the question, who's my mother? Who's my brother? And he points to the disciples and he says, these are my mother and my brother. These are my family members. And he goes on and says, my mothers and my brothers are those who do the will of God. I got a lot of family members who have rejected God. They're my earthly family. Sorry to say, someday we may be separated forever. But you all are stuck with me forever because we are the children of God. We're family. And we need to start living like that. Now, let me go to the third thing. This is the last thing i got just enough time to do this. Our new, isn't it interesting? Last Sunday, Pastor Zach said his New Year's resolution was to preach shorter messages. Don't you appreciate that? I appreciate that. And he, and he mentioned Corey. Corey didn't say anything about that. I mean, he has no intentions of doing that. And I, and I, I was sitting there listening to that, and I thought, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to preach till I get finished. So that's my resolution. But I'm also going to be mindful of your time. So let, let me get into number three. Our new identity as God's family brings us new relationships. Brings us new relationships. Okay, okay, I come into the family of God, so now I have this heavenly father. Not only that, you also have new brothers and sisters. And we need to start thinking in terms of brothers and sisters. I was raised in a church. They didn't think in terms of brothers and sisters, but they called everybody brothers and sisters. Away from church, they didn't do it, but at church, it was brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. It was all kind of a family thing, but they didn't model it real well outside of Sundays. Doug, he's my brother. And unfortunately for him, I'm the handsome one, but we're brothers. 
We came from different mothers, but we're brothers. I can pick on Doug. He'll let me do that. Are you getting the point I'm making today? When we come into the family of God, it brings us new relationships. Adoption places us with new parents, but it also sometimes brings new siblings into our lives. And if you get what I'm going to say the next few minutes, it's going to set up this series to really speak to your heart. Because in God's family, we enter into us relationships. Us. Everybody say us. The American church has not been taught this well. We enter into us relationships. Even the gospel, even church. I mean, some of it, some, so much of what we do in our churches today, it's aimed at making people happy and feel good about themselves. So it's me, 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 me. What's in it for me? What's in it? You know, Burger King started it with have it your way. And then churches picked up on it. We will do something to make people happy to draw a crowd. Can I tell you something? We're not here just to make people happy. We're here to introduce people to God to bring true joy into their lives and put them in the family of God that's forever and ever and ever. I mean, a, a lot of joy and happiness comes with that, but that's not the bottom line. We have so marketed the church. It's for you, 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 me, me, me. And we've missed the fact that when we come into the family of God, it's about us. Say us one more time. It's about us. Us relationships. And we got to take on this mentality to be healthy. This mentality of us. We are the family of God. We are the family of God. And every healthy family requires us relationships. You can't be healthy and you can't have a healthy family if everybody's just, that's all about me, it's all about me. How many of you had a sibling who's like that? It's just all about me. Oh, I know the, your siblings are here. So you don't want to raise your hand. I get it. How many of you had a parent? Oh, it's just all about me. It's all, you know how difficult that was for the family. Let me talk to you about this new relationship. We have a new father, a heavenly father. But scripture says that Jesus has become the firstborn among many brethren. He is our oldest brother. In the family of God, Jesus is the oldest firstborn child. The oldest brother. That's who Jesus is. And he is our brother. Now see, we say, oh, he's our savior. He's our Lord. He's our God. Yes, he's all that. But in the family of God relationship, he's now our brother. Now let me, let me show you why that's important. As sons and daughters of God, we are heirs of God. What God has, he gives to us as his children. But it says, here, here's the beauty of it. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Which means what God has made available to his son Jesus, he also makes available to us. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Some of us have never caught that revelation yet. We are, I am, joint heirs with Jesus. It's about us relationships. You know, as we accept our new heavenly father, we must also accept new brothers and sisters in the family. Now, 
I, I talk about this now and then, and I always try to make it funny and light because I want people to laugh instead of cry, but you know what? I've heard people say, yeah, I've been around some church people who are really weird. You ever heard that? I've been around some church people who are really weird. But I've been around some of your family members who don't go to church who are really weird too. Every family's got weird ones. Just because somebody's not just like me, we think, yeah, they're kind of weird. That's not fair. Because you got, you, got, you got earthly family members who are kind of weird. I got two minutes to finish this, so I'm going to hurry. Holy cow, I'm early. I got seven minutes to finish this. What am I thinking? But listen, listen to what I'm going to say. I'm almost finished here. We need to stop backing away from other Christians because we see them a little bit different than us. They may be at different places in their journey. They may have come from different places. They may have had different experiences. But we're still the family of God. That makes them your brother and your sister. And God's looking down from heaven saying, why aren't you all acting like brothers and sisters? You treat your unsaved earthly family better than you treat your eternal spiritually spiritual family some of those relationships are going to pass away someday and the ones that are here forever you need to get to know those people now come on everybody smile at me we need to get acquainted with the family god's put around us we're god's family this is us look around the room you, you may like it you may not like it this is us we're God's family forever. So, two questions I want to ask as I near the end of my message. First question, ask yourself this. What does a healthy family provide for me? What does a healthy family provide for me? A healthy family provides a model of what life and family should look like. Family should look like this. Scripture tells us what a healthy family should look like. God's family should be more healthy than our earthly families. God's family should provide an even better model than our earthly family. Another thing a family provides is protection. I mean, you grew up in a family, and even though it may have been tough, you probably were protected by your family. And God's family... There's protection. This is a safe place to be. In a good, healthy family, there's wisdom. You're taught how to make good decisions and how to move forward in life. In God's family, there's wisdom beyond natural wisdom. In a healthy family, there's support, encouragement. In God's family, there's godly support and godly encouragement to move you forward even when family doesn't know how to respond. In a healthy family, there's correction. When you get going in the wrong direction, there's somebody there to help get you back on track. God's family brings the same kind of correction from God's word in a healthy, helpful manner. And one last thing. Healthy family, you find love and compassion there. You'll find love and compassion in God's family if you'll let God's family be family. Don't just 
visit us on weekends. Be a part of us. God's family. This is us. The second question is, what does family require of me? Being in family. What does being in a family require? I think really one thing, participation. You be present, you be involved, you participate in family life. Some of us need to step up the plate and say, I'm going to start hanging out with my eternal family. I'm going to participate in this family. It's a little awkward. I come from a different place. That's all right. You'll adjust. We'll adjust. It'll be fine. If God can adjust, we can adjust. Then in closing, the, the last little thought, this has been in my heart for several days. We all know the story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal runs away, takes his inheritance, goes out, lives crazy, wild life, wastes it all, winds up in a pig's pen, and finally comes to his senses and says, I want to go back home. At least God, a dad will let me work in the fields and be a servant. He leaves home saying, give me. He comes home to his father saying, make me. Make me a servant. Make me what I need to be. His father welcomes him in, gives him the, the family ring, puts it on his finger, puts his name back on him, puts the robe on him, kills a fatted calf, has a big party. Everything's wonderful, except the older brother is sitting there grumbling and angry and won't join the party. Finally, the father goes to him and says, son, what's the matter with you? He says, I can't believe this son of yours went out and wasted all that money and did all this stuff and lived a horrible life and stained your name. And now he comes home and you take him in. You've never thrown a party for me. You've never done any of this stuff for me. The father looks at him and says, you know what? You've been in my house all this time. There's nothing you've lacked. Anything you've ever asked for has been yours. If you wanted a party, all you had to do was ask for a party and I would have given it to you. Here's the bottom line. One brother participated in the family provisions and expected them. One did not live life as a son. God's got more for you in the family if you choose to live like a son and a daughter. Bow your heads this morning. I'm going to pray. Father, you've spoken to us today so clearly. God, you've said some things that each one of us need to hear, and I believe your spirit is burning some things in our hearts. So I pray today in Jesus' name, as you speak to us, we would hear your voice. We would let you make some adjustments in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives to help us get better connected with your family. Because this, this is an eternal family right here. We're your family, Father. God, adjust our hearts and give us a love for each other like we've never had before. Even people around us in the, in the family that we, we think might be a little different. Show us how to love them. Instead of asking them to love us, show us how to love them with your love. And open our hearts to help them in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, one last thing. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. And maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life. Maybe today you've listened to this and you've realized, you know, I need, I really need to commit my life to God. I believe he does care about me. How do I get on that pathway? How do I come into relationship with God? It starts by opening your heart, asking God to accept you as a son, 
to accept his invitation to join the family, to commit your heart and life to him. So I want to lead you in a prayer today that I think will help you begin this journey with God. So everybody in the house, everyone watching online or listening later on a podcast, I want to ask you to do this with me from your hearts. Just bow your hearts for a moment. If you can, bow your heads and just focus on the love of the Father. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want to know the God of the universe as my own heavenly Father. So forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I accept Him as my Savior. I choose Him to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to walk with you. I want to be in your family. So I give you my life. From now on, you are my father. I'm your child. Thank you for receiving me into your family. Amen. Amen. Now, that's the most important prayer you could pray in a lifetime. But it's just the beginning of the journey. It's the start of a relationship with God. We got a little tool, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. We always offer this every week to anyone who's opening their heart to God. It'll help you start your relationship with God. So I want to encourage you. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams on each side of the building, down to the front or over by the walls. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you're in a big rush, you can go out to the lobby and right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, there's a counter and a big TV screen set up there. You can stop by there and get the same booklet. Just say, I want the booklet. Again, no strings attached. If you're watching online, there are instructions on the screen as to how you can get that booklet. We want to help you get started walking with God. We put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today. God bless you. Can we also thank Pastor Gary for that message this morning? You know, it's great to spend Sunday morning together in God's house as a family, like Pastor said. And, you know, the one thing that I just feel like I'm walking away with throughout the course of that message that I'm just holding on to is this sense of gratitude. Just to think that God would include us and accept us into his family. Is anybody grateful for that today? So cool. You know, at this point in our service, we're going to do just a couple of quick things before we go today. And right now, we're going to take a moment to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. And there's a few different ways that you can give that are going to be going up on the screen right now if you'd like to give digitally today. And um, if you also like to give a physical gift, you can give by grabbing one of those envelopes on the seat backs in front of you. And you can take that here in just a little bit when service is over and take it to one of our giving stations that are right near the exit doors, right before you exit the auditorium. There's also a giving station outside near our kids, Bridge Kids entrance area as well. But in this moment, I just want to take a moment and I just want to say thank you on behalf of our team, on behalf of our entire church family. Thank you personally for your choice to be generous, for your choosing to give back to God, to honor him and to put him first when it comes to your finances. You know, this morning when I think about that spirit of adoption that's been extended to me, the fact that I am welcomed into the family of God, I love that illustration that pastor used of somebody just saying, hey, thank you so much for making a difference and rescuing another one of us. Man, I feel like this morning God was just reminding me, I rescued you. 
I rescued you. I accepted you into my family. That'll never get old, reminding or just going back and reminding myself of what God has done for me in my life. And when I think about the goodness of God, when I think about all that he has done for me, my only proper response is to say, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. You know, when we give to God, that's, an, that's really what we're doing. We're simply saying thank you. Thank you, God, for being my source. Thank you, God, for being my provider. I recognize that everything I have is from you. So therefore, I choose to honor you, to put you first by bringing my tithes. I choose to honor you by sowing seed into your kingdom, knowing that I'm making a way for others and I'm making a way for myself in the future. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity and choosing to put God first when it comes to your giving and your finance. We are so grateful for that. Hey, before we go this morning, I just want to take another moment and I want to remind you about something else that's coming up later this month in church life. Uh, many of you have been around for a while here at the bridge. You'll know that over the course of the last few months, anytime there's a fifth Sunday in a month, we've been taking a weekend and having Sunday fun day where we have one service at 10 a.m. And we are going to do that again this month on January the 30th. We will be having one service at 10 a.m. It's Sunday fun day. We have a very special service planned that day where we will have an extended time of worship and prayer. We're going to be praying for God to do things in our lives and in our church. And so I want to encourage you to be here that day as we worship God, as we pray together, and really as we just kick this year off right and expect God to do great things in and through us. And then, of course, after our one service that day at 10 a.m., we're going to have a great celebration afterwards outside. We're going to be doing some different things this time around to keep each one of these fresh, but we just want to let you know about that now so that you can make your plans to be here for Sunday, fun day, on Sunday, January 30th. One service at 10 a.m., and this is the day that is designed for you, hey, to get to know your church family, to hang out, be a part, to participate in everything that's going on here at the bridge and get to know the people that call this place home. It's a really great opportunity to do that. So make your plans to join us that day. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? Awesome. We love you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Have an awesome week. We will see you back in the house next Sunday morning.